Hello friends, this is Love Molly Kate and I wanted to give a little bit of an explanation about what this season of the podcast will be like. I have made the thoughtful <laughs> decision to go through what is called um, a, well, hmm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this, but I, I'm basically, I feel like I'm potentially being called to the ordained ministry. Now, that does not necessarily mean being a priest. In my mind, I feel like I am being called to the diaconate or to be a deacon. And so this season, I have recorded some of the conversations that I have had with my minister, Father Ben Wells of St. Francis Episcopal in Macon, Georgia. And the first few episodes will be backtracking a little bit and setting us up to listen on those conversations that he and I had regarding faith, belief, and what all does this mean? What What is our place in the world? And I may even have the chance to get some people from my parish committee to actually speak as well. Haven't done it yet, so I can't say if that's going to happen. But this is, it's a very exciting process for me. And I don't know if I'm for sure being called to the diaconate. Maybe I'm being called to be a priest or a rector. I don't think I am, but maybe. Um, or it could be that I'm being called to be a lay minister. And so I'm hoping that this podcast series will give you some insight into not just what does this process for me mean, but also what is it to be Episcopalian? What is it to go into this process? And, and what does it mean to explore faith? So I, I think this will be very different from what I have recorded in the past. I hope that you will enjoy it. And I hope that it's something that can shed some light on what exactly does it mean to be Episcopalian? And what does it mean to go through the discernment process to decide if you're going to go into ministry? And and not just if you're being, if you're going to do it, but also what does it mean to be called? What exactly is, is that? So I hope you enjoy this. It's certainly something that's very different for me. I'm putting myself out there in a way that I never have before. And I hope to hear from some of you about this. Thank you very much. Okay, so... I feel like I trapped you a little bit in all this before. Trapped me? Yeah. To be like, hey, I want to record. No. <laughs> no. That's not a trap. So. I don't feel like I'm trapped. Let's put it that way. Well, good. Good, good, good. So we've already got recordings talking about the discernment process and whatnot that I decided to go through. So if, if you were to explain to somebody who knows nothing about the Episcopalian Church and nothing about what the discernment process is. You've been hanging around too many Baptists. <laughs> you said the Episcopalian Church. But you just started that. It's the Episcopal. The Episcopal Church. Uh, we are Episcopalian. But unlike yes. Methodists and the Methodist Church, Baptists and the Baptist Church is Baptist Church. Catholics, Catholic Church. <laughs> Episcopal 
The Episcopal it's Church. It's Episcopalians. It's the Episcopal Church. <laughs> yeah. But so it's hard when you're people that yeah. you are interacting with mm-hmm. use the wrong term and yeah. you hate to point it out. I mean, I'll point out to you because yeah, you're an Episcopalian. But, uh, you know, I don't want to come off of, oh, we have to pronounce this church, you know, in a certain way. <laughs> I'm just, we're, we're putting that out there. All right. Um, okay, so if... Like, let's say you've got somebody coming to you who knows nothing about what we're about. How do you explain that? Hmm. Well, here's how I would explain it, is that we, and you've heard me say this before in the service, we are a people of prayer, and our worship service is prayer. It's really one bit long prayer, basically. Uh, now, we move around a lot. We try to worship with all of our senses. That's why we have incense sometimes. Sometimes we don't. Some people are very sensitive to it. <laughs> I get that. Um, and so we're a church of prayer at prayer. And we take the Bible, the Scripture, seriously. But we also don't believe that it is, you know, somebody tripped over the Bible out in the desert, and that was the whole thing. We know how it came about mm-hmm. through councils of the church, and uh, that decided what books were going to be in and what books weren't. Uh, I'm going to say that it may be people would have different varying degrees on the inerrancy of Scripture. But there is certainly scripture that conflict. I don't consider that an inerrancy, actually. I consider that two sides of the same coin. There's there's different ways of looking at it, and I think that's allowed of yeah. in our in our tradition. Well, I mean it was allowed it was allowed in our tradition. And so what was the question? <laughs> if you were to explain the Episcopal Church to somebody okay. Who's not familiar with us, or even looks at us and thinks, "Oh, you're just Catholic light." Mm-hmm. Oh, Catholic light. Okay. Well, we're, in the liturgy, we're certainly very similar to Roman Catholic. I mean, it was our mother church. Yeah. Uh, up until approximately 1530, <laughs> and then we fought about all of that for a while, and then uh, we, you know, the, the American Church has its own. Uh, way of looking at that but it was in uh, certainly influenced by the anglican church since we are anglican and the liturgy well i would say the liturgy is is as people look at it is doing the same old thing the same old way every sunday yes there is some structure to it but that's not what it's about it's and about for, approaching it. And for those who don't know what the liturgy is. Oh, uh, the liturgy. <laughs> the, the, the liturgy is the work of the people. So, you know, we start off with a, generally, start off with an entrance hymn, an opening acclamation, where I essentially welcome you and tell you why we're here. And hopefully you say, I'm in. And then I tell you about God and the collect of purity. These are general things. It doesn't always yeah. happen. Uh, that nothing is hidden from God. Right. So you're here. Don't think you're hiding anything from God. 
and me included, me included. Mm -hmm. And then we again go in who God is with the uh, uh, Gloria, mm -hmm. uh, and then I, the collect of the day. We have to say collect, not collect. It's spelled the same. <laughs> the collect is it brings all of our prayers together and uh, uh, out in and up. And so the collect uh, then sort of also sets the theme for that day and gathering our prayers together. And then we hear the scripture, including the gospel. And we read more scripture, I bet, than any other church. We read Old Testament reading, Psalm, New Testament reading, and gospel. Four as I say, yeah, four pieces of scripture. We follow the lectionary, revised common lectionary, which is the reading is a sign. Mm -hmm. And um, so I can't just read on my favorite piece of scripture every Sunday. I can't preach on my favorite piece of scripture every Sunday. Uh, so, and then... Prayers of the, or the Nicene Creed, again, what we as Christian people of faith, again, while we're here, mm -hmm. which we can talk about the Nicene Creed all day if you want, but <laughs> there is a big component left out of the Nicene Creed. We talk about God, we talk about the Son, we got to talk about the Holy Spirit. But we don't talk about the Son as in the ministry of Jesus. We talk about being the, yeah. father, the Son of God, and, but we don't actually talk about the ministry in the Nicene Creed, which I find a little less fulfilling. But how could you? I mean, we've only got a certain amount of time. Whatever. Yeah. So, prayers of the people. Again, prayers of the people. We pray. We, we prayed and initially, I say, let us pray. And we're praying again, and our prayers of people, so we hold, and Thanksgiving's included in that, where we hold up people who we feel need to hold up to God. Now, you, well, doesn't God already know who needs? Yes. But prayer is also a call to action, not just on God's part, but on our part. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we do our Confession of sin, absolution, where I, as an ordained priest in the church, absolve you that are purely, that are penitent. And uh, that's between you and God. I'm not going to go back there and say, I don't think you're penitent. <laughs> uh, but, and then we go into the the supper, the, the Eucharist, yeah, the Holy Supper, the Eucharist, yeah. communion, communion, yeah. So, which is another long prayer, yeah. I'm preach, I'm talking to God in the Oran's position where I'm raising my hands. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to God for the congregation, and we're talking about remembering the story of what God has done for us. Mm -hmm. And then we go into the commandment of Christ, of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Uh, 
And then we are blessed. We pray again. We we are blessed. And we go out into the world to be people of faith, to minister, not to point fingers, right. to minister to those of people in the world who need it, to hear the good news. And the good news is not about who you should vote for, or who you should hate, or who you need to not be around. The good news is you are loved. Yeah. That's really what the good news comes down to. You're loved, and you're loved by an all-loving God. And we are to surround that person with love. Yeah. That's that's it in a nutshell. That's basically, the liturgy is our church service. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, I guess I could have said that. (laughs) Now, you know I'm not going to say, like, four words when I can do five paragraphs. I mean... But that's, that, that's, that's okay, because that, that breaks it down, I think, for people who are like, well, what, what exactly is this about? So... You know, the other thing is, we, we, we have a bulletin. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some debate. I went to a Society of Catholic Priests meeting the other day, and there's a debate about doing away with bulletins. Or having a one-pager with just the prayer book numbers on it. I don't know. I, I mean, you, you come in, if you're new, to, if, you're, if you've been here for a while, you know the prayer book, yeah. you know the hymnal, yeah. and you know the other hymnal, and possibly the other hymnal. Leave us, wonder, love, and praise. I just know the then one hymnal. Hymnal 1982. We only use the 1982 hymnal at um, St. Paul's grown up, as far as I know, at least. Yeah, probably. It's um, a newer thing, bringing in other voices and yeah. music. Um, so... So you're you're expecting four people, or you're expecting people to handle, you will probably never four books, but it could be three. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, I see some people's points about using the book. They're there. Point A. We're saving trees. Point two. Yeah. Um, and getting into the letter, the knowing the prayer book, because the prayer book is a beautiful book. It's not just our service. It's got oh, yeah. prayers from all, you know. It's it's uh, It's got uh, the cate- catechism in the back and all that. I see that I, could, I can see that. But if you're new and you're coming the, in, yeah, the new people, people new might have an issue with that. But here was their here was their counter argument to that. I wouldn't want to brought that up. <laughs> you know, you could have somebody greet them at the door and sit with them and go through the prayer book with them. All it would need to be really is one time. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened to me. When I walked through the doors of the Episcopal Church for the first time, I'm sure this lady thought, this guy's lost. <laughs> and he's not even, the service hadn't even started yet. So she took me by her hand, by her hand, took my hand by her hand, set me with her family, and we went through the prayer book. See, somebody like me, if I'm coming into a church for the first time, I just want to sit in the back and I observe. You. I got you. And that's what I had all the intentions of doing. <laughs> But I, I 
think it made a difference. Now, I'm not hugely introverted. I do am sort of introverted. I know you can't tell sometimes. But I like being around people, but I also need to recharge by being not around. Yeah. So, I know there's different, differing levels of, of, the, of comfort with that. The other thing I like about the bulletin is I can be a little bit more flexible with it. If I want to do a prayer from South Africa, a Eucharist from yeah. South, communion from South Africa, I can do it. Yeah. Union, a communion from the Church of England, from the uh, Canadian Church. Yeah. I can put it in the bulletin and we can fly with it. It's a little harder to do when you don't have a bulletin. Right. But, but you could have bulletins for those days, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I see. I see. So let me ask you this. So I try to tell people about this whole, like what this this podcast season is really going to focus on my PCOM experience and going through mm-hmm. discernment. So let's say somebody comes to you and says, I feel like I'm being called to do more in the church, which is kind of what I did, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we've got lay ministries, we have deacons, we have priest rectors. If you're explaining to somebody who knows nothing about all those, how do you explain the difference? In a nutshell. In a nutshell. (laughs) Not five paragraphs. Okay. Well, the four orders of, of the People in the church, the biggest order is laity, the people that are not ordained, but do most of the work, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, support the church financially with their time and their and their ability. Um, and that is an, an order. The... Um, now, there's different things you can do in that. Right. You can read. You can be a lector. Read the scripture. You can be an intercessor to help lead us in prayer. You know, lots of different things that you can do as a lay person. Yeah. Uh, a lay person in, in our tradition cannot uh, bless the, or cannot, uh, I don't want to use that term, uh, cannot preside at table. Okay, at the altar. Right. Meaning, they can't. They can't consecrate the altar. Right. Right. Because I know when I was. They can be a table, obviously. Right. But they can't consecrate the elements. That's an ordained. Right. And it's a. It's the order of the priest and the bishop. A bishop is a priest. Right. But has been called to be the leader of his or her. Diocese. Right, right. I know when I was a lay minister in high school, they had us, we had to be licensed. We could do, we could read the readings. Mm-hmm. We would also do the prayers. So elector and intercessor. And then we would also help serve at the yeah. table. Uh, altar server. Altar or, server, uh, yeah. Child's bearer. Mm-hmm. Lay Eucharistic ministers. Yeah. Yeah. Lay, yeah, exactly. And we have all those. And then you can decide... Now, they've opened it up to where you can do that at your local church, or if you want to be licensed across the diocese, 
to be a preacher, to preach. You can be a licensed preacher as a lay yeah, person. That, I noticed that in... But I can have anyone preach at St. Francis. Now, i got to be careful with that <laughs> because everybody might want to preach and you might not like what some people say. But, right. And it's not because I solely believe I'm the only preacher here. There are some gifted preachers here. But I'm called, I was called as the priest, the rector. So I, I protect the altar yeah. and the pulpit. Right. And by protecting, I don't mean keeping people away, but want to make sure nobody is traumatized. Right. You, you understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that seems to be some of what our training is and in, in going through this whole discernment process is, 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 um, Making sure nobody even accidentally commits spiritual malpractice. Spiritual, uh, or uh, yeah, it was another term I priests use that I, I really like. Spiritual. It wasn't trauma. It was something sort of like that. But yes, I mean, these people are here and they're vulnerable. And I ask him, and God asks us to be vulnerable. And I, I don't want. Yeah. Anything to happen to that. I mean, if anybody's going to traumatize them, I'll do that. <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> so the next order is deacons. Deacons. And now it's interesting to note here that in the in the church, the primitive church, there were bishops and there were deacons. There were no priestly order. <laughs> now, there was priests in the Jewish tradition, obviously. Mm -hmm. But in the early church, it was bishop and deacon. So, in reality, the priestly order came about in the Christian faith because it grew. Right. And a bishop and a deacon or multiple deacons couldn't handle that all. Right. So, I'm, a priest is sort of an extension of the bishop, really. That's right. what it comes down to. Now, I... There's things I can't do. I can't ordain a bishop. Uh, uh, I can't confirm, which is bringing people in, you know, to the church. I can baptize, but I can't confirm. Uh, so there are a few things that only the bishop can do. So, and then deacons who are called to serve... The church, now these are my words, serve the church by putting in front of the church the people that are getting left out. Right. That's really what a deacon does. Yeah. Now, there's an argument in some diocese, this one recently, but that argument has now been settled. Should deacons have voice and vote at council? And my thing is, if you're going out and bringing the world into the church, the people, you know, the needs of the people outside of the church to the church, why wouldn't right. you have voice and vote? Mm -hmm. One argument was that they deacons are report directly to the bishop. Okay, well then call the right bishop. Yeah. You know. So that's the deacon's job, and the deacon is at the table when one is present, uh, generally, and they set the table for the people. 
they proclaim the gospel to the people. Right. So a deacon is really a people person in a big way, inside and outside the church. Mm-hmm. And then you have the priests who have these great ideas and they really want to serve the church but get caught up in mundane tasks of taking care of the church <laughs> and not being able to visit, not being able to read. Oh, wait a minute. Am I talking about it? Okay. <laughs> and they just get caught up in the administrative tasks of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, if I... If I, I mean, if a priest that maybe was a little stronger, they could push all that off. But it's hard for me to walk by seeing a need and not trying to mm-hmm. help with that. I. That's probably uh, different in here because we're a little bit smaller. We're smaller, and there's just me and right. a few other part-time staff. But in larger uh, churches, it's probably not. Well, you know, here's the thing: as I was talking to a, a former bishop, that no matter the size of the church. The busyness of the rector is always basically the same. The reports have to be due, done, done, sent in. You know, it's still things that have to be done regardless of the size of the church. And it can just, it can eat up your time. Yeah. And then you feel bad that you didn't go visit Mrs. McGillicuddy today. Yeah. Because you haven't visited her now for five, six, seven weeks. Yeah. Which, in my way of thinking, is the priest's duty. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was my confession to you. <laughs> um, Take recorded it all from the world. Know. And then the bishop, obviously. Mm-hmm. Our bishop carries a uh, staff, um, a crozier shaped like a hook because mm-hmm. that's a shepherd's that's the shepherd's stool and they carry that in the service yeah. yeah and it represents being the shepherd of of the diocese mm-hmm. Orna- ordaining teaching uh, setting good examples yeah so as you know, priests are human beings. Yeah. As are bishops. Bishops are human beings too, <laughs> and so are deacons. <laughs> oh, but uh, priests generally take the brunt of this, if because we're expected to be like, this is me talking, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, better than most people. We are human beings. Yeah, that was some of what they were saying at. Here I am, day. We have this. We have the same. Yeah. You uh, have to watch yourself. Things that that, yeah. that entice us as entices other people. And I mean, I would love to say our oh, priests are are different, but we are still human beings. We still have fears. Yeah. That's really what I'm trying to say. It's the fear thing. We still fear. Yeah. Uh, now, what we try to do, I think, is to be a calm presence in the midst of the storm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I am not the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And I've been taking the task for saying this before, but I'm not changing it. I am a hired hand. And Jesus doesn't talk well of hired hands. Because when the wolf comes, the hired hand may run. I don't think I will run when the wolf comes. But I am a hired hand to help the good shepherd. Yeah. Jesus is the good shepherd. And I, I, it really irritates me when I see these ministers who will let people call them the good shepherd because they're not. Yeah. They're hired hands. That's something that kind of makes me reflect back on acolyting growing up. So for those who are hopefully at some point listening to this, acolytes in the church are, you know, the, the people usually also in white robes carrying the cross and the torches and whatnot. And for me growing up, it was something you did starting in elementary school and you did it until you graduated high school. Um, but something we were taught as acolytes is that we are not there to be seen. We are there right. to serve. And that's something that I go back to. And I think something I appreciate about being Episcopalian that I feel like, and I, and I don't know, maybe it's that way in other churches as well, but I just feel like, for us at least, it's not so much about the minister up there showboating. We are simply there right. to serve, and and I think that's one of the advantages of doing the prayers of the people, and, and we have the same format for the most part each Sunday. It's a format that you understand, and it's not about... The one person. Oh, right. Uh, surprises, yeah. Right. It, uh, is, it is us as a community. The, the surprise together. is our, the spirituality that we let come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that in the, in the Anglican tradition, in the Episcopal Church that I'm speaking of, is this is where we stand out for many of our brothers and sisters on the other spectrum of denominations is that the Episcopalians really try to hold the sacrament of the Word and the sacrament of the table. We try to hold them in balance. Yeah. Now, some of our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, the table is way up here and the Word is way down here. Mm -hmm. For many of our Protestant brothers and sisters... And I'm, people are going to say, well, you're Protestant. It depends on how you define that. If you're a Roman Catholic, everybody else is Protestant. If you're a Protestant, everybody else is Protestant except Roman Catholics. But in, this, in the five orders of, of Christianity, it's Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, Lutheranism, Anglicanism, and Protestantism. So, anyway, where was I going? Oh, holding the table and word, and then our more Protestant brothers and sisters, it's, it's all word. word. It's, yeah, and that's And the table doesn't even exist sometimes. Yeah. So. That's something that stands yeah. out for me, is, is the whole, we only take 
communion and you'll once notice a month. That, I don't understand that. Yeah, you notice in it that once a month, some of them don't take it like once a year. Some of our Protestant yeah. brothers and sisters. Um, you'll notice, at least in my experience, that most Episcopal churches, there are no tables behind the altar. The tables are to the side. I mean, mm-hmm. the chair, I'm sorry, what did I say? I didn't mean that. <laughs> there are no chairs behind the altar. Right, yeah. The chairs are to the side because our focus is the altar. Mm-hmm. And generally a cross or representation of Jesus over that. Yeah, and it was always my understanding that we're not supposed to even step behind the altar. At least when we're no, yeah, I'm things, Times have changed. <laughs> times have changed. I mean, there were a point when women weren't supposed to step behind the rails. Yeah. That is the sanctuary. Yeah. And times have changed, hopefully. At least in the Episcopal Church, I can tell you it has. <laughs> uh, I see a more welcoming God than, a, than maybe the God of Moses at that time who said, don't come in closer until you take your shoes off. Mm-hmm. Um, the context obviously is different. Our times are different. Our experiences are different. So I don't see a problem at all with anybody coming through the rails in a reverent way, mm-hmm. including the priest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, like stepping literally behind the altar. I, we were not. I, I mean, you wouldn't do that during a service. No. But I cringed after even, the service. When I put the flowers up the other day for Flower mm-hmm. Guild, I, I kind of almost held my breath stepping behind the yeah. <laughs> altar a little bit, but I had to. Yeah, that's uh, that's a different time. But you grew up. You grew up with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up in the Baptist church. <laughs> so we didn't have an altar. We had three chairs up there, and the preacher was right in front of you. In the middle they of were the, They were the center of the attention. Um, so with, with all this that we have going on in this... We're on episode one, basically, with this. So we're, we're framing and setting up for the rest of them. And what we're going to be talking about, like what it means to be Episcopalian, what this whole discernment process is. So wh- wh- what is the point for me going through all these steps? I mean, first I was meeting with you. Now I've got the parish committee on mm-hmm. ministry. And then there's going to be a whole other set of steps after that if... If, if we come to the conclusion that this is, in fact, what I'm called to do and called to do it right now. So what, what's... What's the purpose? What's the, yeah. Well, I mean, part of that only you can answer. But from yeah. my perspective, mm-hmm. I see a, a great purpose. Uh, even if you don't do what you think you're called to do or you decide, the church, both of you are discerning. You mm-hmm. and the church. Mm-hmm are both discerning where should you fit in, as you want to uh, do something in your lay status or you want to be, do something in an ordained status. You're, you brought that to the church's attention and the church is now going with you, walking with you. Uh, sometimes it may not feel like that, but they <laughs> are. And 
to discern do you have the do you have a gift? Uh, and we all have gifts. Mm-hmm. But does your gift need to be ordained, or can you? Does your gift may serve the church best? And by serving the church, don't think of it as the institution. Right. Think of it as God's people. People, yeah. And including other faiths. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna digress here just a minute. Yeah, uh, so the old days, the parish was a geographical area, and Everybody inside that geography of the parish was a parishioner. Whether you didn't come to church or you were a Christian, atheist, Muslim, whatever, Jew, you were the parish priest looked out for you, was concerned about you. Mm -hmm. Then we lost that. We lost that. I, I think we should try to gather it back myself, but... Um, and I do a certain extent, a, a certain extent, I do. I mean, if my neighbors here, if I know they're in trouble, I'm going to help them. The church is going to help them. Yeah. As best we can. Uh, so I just want to get back to what, what, the, what the original parish was. So as you discern what your gifts are, I'm going to say to the parish <laughs> or to the parishes, let's put it, or the people inside those lines, not just the people that come to church wherever you, you might be. Um, could they, those gifts be best, best, best manifested in the lay order? Or could they be best manifested in an ordained order such as deacon or or as the ordained order as priest? Uh, not everybody needs to be ordained to do good. Right. Most people don't. Right. And I'm going to just tell you. I'm just going to tell you. And whoever else is listening. <laughs> becoming ordained limits you. Yeah. Do I need to go back to the administrative duties and the paperwork <laughs> and all that? If you yeah. really want to interact with people and make a difference in their lives, or even this, this is a not probably a good example, but if I were one that just wanted power yeah. in the church, I would have stayed in the pews and given money. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, because... You, it, yeah, it, yeah. It just does. People listen to people that give money. Unfortunately, it's the same way in the church. But yeah, it, yeah. it happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we try not to, not to let that happen. Yeah. But it happens. That, ha- that happened to a friend of so, mine who I may interview later on in this whole but episode thing. If you're wanting to do spiritual work, sometimes being ordained gets in the way. I'm just stating it. Now, if there's a gift that requires ordination as a deacon, priest, yeah, I mean. That's probably going to make some people listening out there go, wait a minute, what do you mean ordination can get in the way? Wouldn't ordination open up more doors? You're uh, not really. You know what I found that really opens up doors is integrity and authenticity. 
that's really what opens up the doors to people's hearts. A lot of doors are closed when I see my little plastic collar. Now, after I get to know them, I mean, I think I'm fairly authentic. I think I have a shred of integrity in me. Uh, but a lot of people are, are off put by ordained person. Um, because the wolves, they have been left abandoned to the wolves because the hired hands ran away. Or they were hurt. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, absolutely. Or the, the hired hands hurt them themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, saying that, I'm not, obviously, I'm ordained. And when I was asked that question, my, what I wanted to do, and I got my wish, and it wasn't, that was one thing I did get. That was one thing I did get. And it has been a blessing, and it has brought me down to my knees as I wanted to be involved in people's lives from birth to death. Mm. That sounds really good, and I still believe it is good, but there's a lot of trauma in people, and you can't just walk away from them. Yeah. And ministry, Good ministry is dirty and messy Mm -hmm. because you can't, sometimes you have to get down in the gutter with people to pull them up or try, attempt to give them something to hold on to, to climb up themselves. I I can't pull anybody up. Yeah. But I can, uh, yeah. If if you don't want to get from the low point of whenever you're ready to get from the low point, I can't get there for you. I cannot journey for anyone, not as a lay person, any or as an ordained person. We all have our own journeys, but we all can support each other. Mm-hmm. And and I've been blessed with being. I mean, I got two. I got lots of godchildren, but the two here, the three here in Macon, I am in their lives, and they're in mine, and. Sometimes it was hell. Yeah. And sometimes it was like, these are my children. Yeah. Uh, and uh, heaven forbid that I ever have to bury one because I probably won't be able to do it. Sounds like a good place to wrap it up for this. Well, I don't want to leave it on such a low note, but no, actually, it's not. I don't think it's a low note. note. I think it says a lot because it's basically like it, if you're going to be ordained, if you're going to go, it, it's basically going through discernment is figuring out where your gifts are, and the thing about ordination is you have to be willing and able and have the, I think, mental, emotional. And spiritual fortitude to get down in the dirt with people. Yes, absolutely. It's messy. And, that's, and the, here's the thing, though. Here's here is a warning. <laughs> Sometimes when you get down in the dirt with them, you may not get up. Yeah. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, no, it makes because we sense. are human beings. Yeah. I am not some as much as I want to be Marvel hero. 
yeah. or whatever they call it, superhero. I'm not. Yeah. I, I think I have read somewhere that depression rates for ministers mm. are pretty high. It is high. Alcoholism, extremely high in the, in the ministers. Yeah. Um, so making sure that you have the... You have to go in the fortitude and the tools and the tools, spiritual tools, and remembering. And I think this is important for all of us, not just ordained people, but remembering whose we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not belong to me. Yeah. Nor do I belong to Arthur. Right. I I think my calling is that I belong to God, as we all do. But yeah. obviously, we don't always, including myself, don't always remember that. Yeah. That was a little bit higher note. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna record some more, so we'll keep talking. But I figure this is probably a good good place to cut it off for right now because we'll keep on going. Thank you so much for listening to the first of many conversations that I will be having with my minister about the discernment process and what it means to be Episcopalian and just really anything about faith and where we are in this world that we decide to talk about. And I'm really looking forward to getting your feedback on this and to possibly do be doing more. Um, I don't know how exactly how many episodes this will end up being. Uh, I do believe I'll be releasing these weekly. So just stay tuned and be sure to subscribe as well and share with your friends so that we can get more and more listeners because that actually will help me actually pay for the software that I need to produce this. Have a very good rest of your day.